Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up? You sound good today. No, well, thank Your you. Your voice sounds good. Thank you. Feels a little scratchy. No. <clears throat> sounds fabulous. Well, thank you. Yes. You sound good. I feel like we haven't done this in for fucking ever. How long? It, well, it's it's been, been a week? Been, yeah, a week. We got to get our shit together. We do. Well, football season has to end. Which... We got some state champions in the house. We do. We do. Our boys. Our boys are state champs. Now we're going to regionals. Yep. So we play Indiana's state Mm -hmm. champs. In Indiana. The 13th? Yep. And then if we win that, we play Ohio. Mm Mm-hmm. So. The boys took home a big ass trophy. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. That the coach kept referring to as his. <laughs> Which, <laughs> well, listen, it. I don't fucking blame him. Yeah, if I was the coach, it'd be mine too. <laughs> fuck you guys. He was like, give me back my trophy. Yeah, I'd, I'd be <laughs> yeah. the same way. I don't blame him. I don't blame him either after dealing fuck with these Fuck you guys. I coached kids. your fucking right. gremlins. Right. Man. <laughs> and they're, ooh. Yeah. I won't say it. Most of them are, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have my favorites. I do, too. I mean, whatevs. Yeah. But they won. It is. They're state champs. Yeah, so it was a good game. It was, it a, was a great game. game, yeah. Our uh, Unfortunately, our 10U undefeated team lost. Yeah. 9U lost. Well, we're the only team left with our Us JV. Us and JV. Yeah, JV. Mm-hmm. So. That's right, bitches. Mm-hmm. I cried a little. I'm not going to lie. 100% cried a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool for Jax. Yeah. Last year, their team was not good. The first year, they didn't win a single game. Yeah. Because we couldn't figure out how the hell they were going to the playoffs. <laughs> right. We're like, what the fuck? I know. So. But that was their, their good team. It was a hell of a fucking season. Mm-hmm. The coaches were phenomenal. Yep. So, yeah. I hear the dog going crazy I, upstairs. I don't care. Oh, I don't care today. Yeah. I've been driven crazy all day yeah, long. I don't. So. She can, whatever. Yeah. Fucking hit him with a chunkle. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. She went out for a while, so. Yeah, I was surprised when I got home and she was sitting here. Yeah. So, whatever. they can suffer for a little bit. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I've played action <laughs> figures today. I've watched Shit. wrestling. <laughs> I, I'm... I went to work all day. I want to fucking sit on the couch, have a drink, and watch Breaking Bad. I might That's, have a drink with you tonight, actually. You can join me. I might. Um, Yeah, I might. 
That's we got to figure out. I got to look at the list and figure out what we're going to do next because I want to do a couple like just one parters. Yeah. Because these multi parters are. Well, we got they the get list. your fucking head. And then I sent you something on uh, Instagram. Oh. Uh, we got another request on Instagram. It's okay. uh, an Illinois case. I've never heard of it, though. Hmm. Okay. But uh, I forget who it was from, too. I'm sorry. But they sent it through uh, Instagram, and then I just forwarded it okay. to you. So I do believe we have new Patreons, too. However, Jackson has my phone. Uh, so I promise next episode. First yeah, thing. that's cool. Because, yeah. I'm not getting it back from him. No, just let broke. him be. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Um, let him be. He's quiet right now. So Tony decided that he uh, wants to do the shotgun murders for when he comes. What is that? It's an Indiana case close oh, to him okay. by the chicken farm he grew up on. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was super pissed. He's like, you don't have part three up yet? And I was like, no. He's like, what am I going to listen to on the way home? <laughs> I, was like, I, I, I don't know. Sorry, dude. We've been busy, man. Like Fucking he doesn't know. Football has been draining this oh week, God, and babe. doctors' appointments and shit like we that. We have another so. week of that, except now it's my turn. <clears throat> yeah. So once God this month, once this month is over, we'll be knocking I, them out. Yeah. Then I think it'll settle down. Yeah. And we can get back to two a week. Yeah. Easily. Well, and I'm I'm gonna do a couple one parters. Yeah. Because honest, I mean the the multi parters they're. They're hard. They get in your fucking head. Because yeah. it's all I do yeah. for two weeks. Yeah. Like, all they do. I get it. So. I definitely get it. Yeah. That's why I was like, let's just, you know what? I don't even need to take notes for the end. Like, let's just do the amount of shit that I've yeah, researched and read, read and. You've read enough. Yeah. So. I say just go for it. Yeah. I'll wing the end. So, if it sucks, I'm sorry. <laughs> You got a little dip on your shoulder there, babe. Do I? Yeah. That's probably from this morning, too. Mm-hmm. Or your nap. Was it glorious? I didn't nap today. You told me you did. Did I? Maybe I did nap. Or you slept till 1230. Yeah. when I talked to Leah, she's like, Mark's sleeping. Yeah, maybe I did nap today. I think you did. Jesus, I can't even remember. Well, I didn't have that bad of a but day la- Last night was terrible, so... Yeah, we did have a rough night. Yeah, I didn't sleep much, so. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just hit you with a baseball bat today. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So. Fuck, I'll take anything to knock me out. I know. Mm. Um, Yeah, today wasn't bad. Half my cookies are gone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, those animal cookies. Everybody's like, this is my fucking childhood. We we just leave the lid off now. Like we did all weekend here because we're fucking trash. Right. (laughs) We just just leave the lid off. They're fucking addicting. That and the the pink ones too. Oh my God. These are the white fudge animal crackers from Target in the teddy bear bucket. Amazing. Yeah. I could eat the whole fucking gallon jug. Don walked by my desk this morning and saw the new bucket and was like... Shit. <laughs> so, yeah. They're yeah. good. Oh, they're fucking addicting. It's terrible. I know. They better have more at Target. Oh, I'll be pissed. I took the last one. Yeah, the pink ones you're talking about, too, are... Oh, those are so good. Yeah. I guess that's what a... Bl- they make blizzards with the pink ones. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I need chocolate in my blizzard. I don't want a fucking cookie. Yeah. 
I want an actual blue. I want a motherfucking misty freeze is what I want. You, they fuck it up every time. Okay, so there's a misty slush, which by its name, it's a slush. It's a slushy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a misty freeze. It's a slush with ice cream mixed in, and it's fucking glorious. And every time I order one, they fuck it up. They give me a motherfucking slushy. Yeah, that that sucks. You get angry too. I, you babe, get very fucking angry. When we order food, I am the only one who gets fucked <laughs> sideways. Every single, it's always mine. It's true. Yeah. Every time, and I, yeah, I do get mad. Oh fuck yeah, you do. Because I even put in the notes, add ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you fucking missing? And no offense to Dairy Queen workers, but dude, you work at Dairy Queen. You can't put fucking ice cream in a slush? You can't fucking read the receipt? Oh, man. Because it's not like I'm ordering it wrong, which I do do sometimes. I will admit that. But $15 an hour. Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ. can't even give me my goddamn ice cream in my fucking freeze. I do get angry. I get very angry. Because, like, I get so excited. I know. I'm like, this is going to be so. And then I get it. And it's, then a it's a fucking fail. slush. Yep. Fail. And the slushies, don't get me wrong, they're good, but they give me like a weird face brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> like right here. The ice cream is good though in it. It, it like <sighs> makes it more smooth. It's amazing. Yeah. I've been drinking those since I was a fucking kid. I didn't even know they made them until oh, you started over. We used to get suicide ones where they would just mix all the flavors together. Oh, that's cool. So glorious. Except now they have like fucking mango and shit. Yeah. When we were kids, Fuck we that. had like. Blue, red, purple, orange. And that was it. <laughs> that's yeah. what she got. And that's what it was called, too. Yes. Flavors. <laughs> what flavor do you want? Purple red. flavor. <laughs> Every time. What flavor? Red. So I think that's, I don't think anything else happened no, other that's than about it. football. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween's over. Thank the fucking Lord. It's Christmas time now. Where did you put his um, candy, by the way? I didn't touch it, so Leah must have fucking. Or he's got two giant Target bags I, full of fucking candy in his when bedroom. When I woke up, the kitchen was clean, so she <laughs> she put it somewhere. Because she moved my charger, too, so... Oh, I bet you it... Yeah, it's probably it's up... His, you know what, though? Once we put it away, he forgets about it. He does, yeah. It's a lot of fucking candy. It is. Like, two oh, yeah, full Target bags. <laughs> yeah. When I saw last night, I was like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, they did good. There was a lot of people last night, which yeah. is good. I mean, last year there was a decent amount, but COVID and everything like that. So. Yeah, but then having it on the weekend <clears throat> is so much better, too. I wore a sweater with pockets because I had four beers on me. There you go. I had to carry them for Mom and Lynn, you know? No. Yeah. I did. I didn't legitimately drink all of them in my sweater, so I could have. Oh, God, you were drinking and I was fucking flipping out the flipping the fuck out mm-hmm. so i having an anxiety attack so i came home thank you mama yeah i needed you i was in bad shape yeah you were the kids stayed though they had fun yeah sue made pasta too by the way did I you ate see it, it in this the... morning did you eat all of it yeah you fuck face babe what look how big i am oh my god that that was like not even one serving i mean <laughs> babe the thing was four pounds well that's like a fucking appetizer to me babe after that i was still hungry i was gonna make bagels but yeah it was fucking delicious oh my god 
I forgot to. I I took like three bites of it last night. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna bring this for lunch. Oh, when I saw it, I was so excited. Yeah, I bet you were. Oh, I was. Man. Sorry, baby, it's gone. You ain't sorry. No, it not was even delicious. a little bit. It was fucking delicious. Ugh. God. Whatever. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Damn it. I love you. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You did. The fucking lasagna you would be was amazing. more concerned about the pasta and the misty freeze if you loved me. Nah. You would be. Probably not. No. My pimple patches are falling off. They're driving me nuts. Yeah, it looks sexy. Does, I bet it does. Let's it's make great. out after this. Probably wear a mask. Like I'm, <laughs> uh. I'm fucking trash. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. No. Why don't we. Uh... Get this party started. <sighs> yeah, because it's... Oh, boy. That's like 50 fucking pages. Well, and it's not even finished. you got to remember. Oh, my God. I only got as far as one trial done. Yeah, we... I'm going to wing the two other trials, so... Yeah, let's get going. I got books open. All right. I'm ready to go. All right. Okay, so um, part two, we left off. Uh, Damien and Jason had just been picked up at right. Damien's trailer. Yep. Yes, and arrested. So, on the arrest report, Damien was listed as an 18-year-old roofer without a driver's license. A roofer? Roofer. I can't say that word, apparently. Uh, focus on what's important here. Yeah. They listed him without a driver's license, but then took testimony that he was driving a fucking car to the orgy. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Jesus. I can't say this word. I shouldn't have wrote it down. Pecul- Peculiar? Arities, yes. Peculiarities. Yes. Listed for Damien were uh, earrings, two in the left ear, one in the right ear. Why is that weird? I mean, this is 19-fucking-93. So? Dudes had earrings. Uh, MC Hammer had them, didn't he? I mean, we were young. I don't know how popular it was. I had earrings. Yeah, for a guy, though, (laughs) babe. Jesus Christ. Um... Jason was listed as a 16-year-old student. This is like with, the grunge area I know. era. So. <clears throat> with no peculiarity. No, I can't say that. No. Um, according to the arrest report, both boys were read their rights, but, quote, made no statements about the charges. Jason remembers being read his rights, but said they'd, quote, meant nothing at the time. He was handcuffed to a chair in shock, scared shitless, saying he couldn't have done it because he was in school. That's all he kept saying. Uh, The detectives insisted he was lying and asked if his school records would show that he was in school. Jason says yes and begs them to go get the records. Because according to the confession, you know, this started in the morning. um, The hours were fucked up. Oh, so fucked up. So Jason was booked on originally on suspicion of murder, taken to a cell, given a set of prison-issued clothes that were so big they fell off of him. He was then taken to a hospital where he had dental x-rays taken and then hair, blood, and saliva samples were also taken. He was then taken to a county jail. He was not given the opportunity for a phone call. His mom was not informed of his arrest, and he's a minor. He had no attorney, and none of his questioning with the police had been recorded. Wow. None of it. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, His mom found out about his arrest the next morning. 
June 4th, 1993, at 9 a.m., Gary Twatface Gitchell held a press conference to announce the arrests. That's Why how... the fuck did they allow him to... He's well, the lead detective. You're thinking of Jerry Driver. Oh, yeah. yeah. My bad. Um, That's how Jason's mom found out. Mm-hmm. So fucked up. Yep. So <clears throat> he said that it was, quote, like a big puzzle. The pieces started falling into place to make a clear picture. Where? What? Where? A picture of a turd. Right. <clears throat> so the reporter started questioning him. I don't, my fucking watch face changes bother me. Just firing questions at him. All he says is, I can't comment. I can't comment. He yeah. doesn't say much, anything like that. Uh, a reporter then asked him, on a scale of one to ten, how solid do you feel your case is? Negative one. Uh, he got this cocky ass smile on his face and said, Eleven. <sighs> He does say later, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the best thing to say. Yeah. You think? think? Yeah. Um, this was severely overstated because all they really had was Jesse's completely convoluted confession. No. So Deputy Prose- Prosecuting Attorney John Fogelman, who's also a twat face, uh, would later acknowledge that, quote, the only thing police had against Jason was Jesse's statement. And... What did, what did I write there? In a trial, an accomplice statement alone is insufficient. There has to be something else connecting a person to the crime. So Jason and Damien were arrested yeah. based off of Jesse's confession. And the prosecuting attorney is like, no, you have to have you have to have more. Yeah. But he still fucking prosecutes him. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, so confused. <clears throat> Holy fuck. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the one who says that a, an accomplice statement alone is you, insufficient. It is. You need more. You arrested them on that. Yeah. I'm so fucking confused. <laughs> um, while they could use the confession as probable cause for the arrests, Fogelman would later admit that, quote, if we tried the case the day Jason was arrested, he would have been acquitted. Yeah. There would have been a direct verdict of acquittal. Yeah. 100%. Uh, from a legal point of view, the case against Damien wasn't much better. Jesse's statement alone wasn't sufficient, and despite all the rumors, there was no physical evidence tying Damien to the case. No, I mean, oh my God, thinking about everything that Cook County wanted, mm-hmm. oh my God. I can't, yeah. Like, like you coming, we were just talking about one the other day. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So. So this just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all, they allegedly had the failed polygraph test, but... um. They had no record of it, remember? Yeah. But now, so okay, they go after these two boys based off of the failed polygraphs and then state that they can't use them because they're too unreliable for court. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever. Um, Whatever. All they had were an array of statements made by minors yeah. that only became incriminating after alleged failed polygraphs. So before the, the boys were arrested, the teenagers were arrested, excuse me, I'll say that, um, 30 people were given polygraphs. Mm-hmm. After the arrest, 11 people were given polygraphs. All of them failed? Every one of them? Uh, yeah. Uh, 41 people? You got me. Yeah. So uh, after the press conference, Jason's mom, Gail, who is now fucking mama bear, yeah. you know, Storms into the police station. She found Detective Ridge and demanded to know why Jason was being held because, again, she had not been notified of his arrest. She had no idea what was going on. 
Um, at this point, the families of the victims and the accused had been given a copy of Jason's confession. Um, so my note says, ask Mark, do they usually do this with confessions? Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Yeah. So Never, not once. The, the, the victims' families had this. And his confession is, I mean, it's it's awful. Wow. Awful. Uh, dude, um, this just baffles me even yeah. more. So she comes into <clears throat> the police station. She has a copy of the confession. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't understand what you're arresting him for. Like, reading this, he was in school. Right. So she ended up getting um, a statement from the principal saying that he was in school that day. <laughs> and they were like, whatever. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Um, she really focused on his repeated statement that he was in school. Um, <clears throat> Ridge didn't care. He, he did not care. Of course not. Um, he told his mom that um, he was pissed that Jason wasn't talking and uh, would later say he did talk and told Gail as much. So it's confusing. He, Ridge says he talked and then he says he didn't talk. Now, from the sounds of it, he didn't. Because after they tried to interview him in his front yard and his mom came home, Mm -hmm. she said um, he's not talking because she advised him not to after the bullshit interview at the house. Yeah, good job. She said she'd been, quote, scared because you all put words in his mouth and make things, make a mountain out of a molehill. So he didn't talk. Uh, Ridge responded with, well, that's the reason we got tape recorders. And I'm not putting words in your mouth. It's like this. If you would listen to me for a second, I'll try and clear something up for you. We've got one person that told us the story that is very believable. Well, here's the thing. Police can lie to a suspect. Yes. But you need to know exactly what the fuck happened Mm -hmm. if you're going to start lying to an offender. Because otherwise, you're just making shit up. You're just making shit up. So. And you, you could get caught on it. Right. Well, my favorite part is how he says that they have tape recorders. You do? You didn't use them for six hours. Right. Uh, yeah. And then he has a story that's very believable. The confession. That's believable. Yeah. Uh, if Jason doesn't tell us the story, a story, if Jason doesn't tell us what his side of things are, we will never know what he has to say. Gail then says she's going to get him a lawyer because she's never been in this kind of a situation and she doesn't want him to be found guilty because he didn't have an attorney. Yeah. Ridge replies in a condescending, dickheaded way saying, do you understand that we tape our, all of our conversations? We don't put words into people's mouths. Yeah, we do. That's our job. <laughs> it's exactly a tape. What is said and we would welcome the opportunity to talk to Jason and he will not talk because his mother has told him not to because you're a twat face. I hate this guy. <laughs> I hate them all. You slammed it down, put your pimple popper thing it's, on. Yeah. Um, now, now I'm all flustered because I'm mad. Like, I fucking hate them. You like, need me to window, open the window a little I'm bit? I'm not sweating yet. I'm not. You're looking a little glossy. <laughs> when my thing went off in the car and it said 64, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to crash into a wall. <laughs> like, this is bad. Yeah, that ain't good. I was fine. I calibrated. I was fine. So, um, Gail says that rumors started after Damien was questioned, obviously. She said, quote, because there had been policemen going out there in the trailer park telling kids lies. So, they were telling kids. Yeah. Shit. 
She wanted to know when she could see Jason and how he got arrested based off of a statement with, quote, so many different stories in the story he gave. I don't see how anyone could believe it. Ridge again tells her that they have a, quote, story that is very, very believable. It is so close to perfect that we have to believe it. Sure. Is it close to perfect because you told him what to say? Yeah. Hmm. That is that why? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I think, like, I think of you talking to yeah. a suspect. Right. I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I lied. I mean, well, there, yeah, there I were mean, times where I lied, but you got to know what actually happened. Right. That's the whole point. So then you get him caught up. Right. In, in a lie. But, but like, if, you, if you're making up your own shit and you don't know what actually happened, then you're going to get caught up in your own lie. Like, I, I just, the way that they interviewed Jesse, like, I just, I can't picture you doing that. I just can't. No, I wouldn't want to fucking frame someone that yeah. I wasn't you know, positive that did a fucking murder. And it's so funny too, because you guys, and I say you guys, I'll group you and Tony, like you always joke, you know, I'm a detective. Yeah. Whatever. But you guys like flip a switch and your face changes, your demeanor changes, the, the depth of your voice changes. And I think people don't see it unless they know. Right. Tony did it the other day. It was like, instant he flipped a switch and I just looked at him I was like fuck that's how you got people to confess yeah because he's just you both of you just you flip that switch you're very charming you're polite you you suck them in like I so I just can't imagine this no you know these dudes just sound like fucking clowns oh my god so and I'm not trying to make myself sound better but but no you are this you are this is so botched like you have just, a confession that you're crazy. saying is fucking perfect. Yeah. And it's coming from the mind of a third grader. Right. It's perfect in his own mind. Mm-hmm. Because he's trying to wrap this case up and mm-hmm. be the fucking hero. And that's what it is. Yeah. So uh, on the same day, 6 1993, Municipal Court Judge William Rainey issued an order denying public review of case documents, including the search and arrest warrants. Remember, he's the dipshit that... Um, to, like advise them how to do the yeah. affidavit and the search yeah. warrants and then ruled on it. Which I've never, if an officer out there has had that happen. It like, comes up later. It's a big fucking to do. Like that's news to me because mm-hmm. I've never fucking heard or seen that done. He later gets on the stand in a pretrial hearing and denies it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had judges, a couple judges tell like if I had some kind of in a search warrant, Per se, like if I had some wording that they didn't like or wanted it another way, I would have to redo, like go back and retype that the way they wanted it. But like, that's it. Like it would be a one liner. But according to the detectives, this judge showed up at the police station and helped them write this affidavit and then ruled on it. I've never. And then lied about it. Yeah. I've never had that. Never seen it. It's insane. So... At this point, though, he so he seals the records, which, I mean, really the only records they have are the confession and yeah. the arrest warrants. So police had already allowed several people, obviously, to see Jesse's confession. Um, the judge issued this um, seal order on a Friday. By the next day, Saturday, a copy had been linked to the newspaper, the Commercial Appeal. 
On Monday, the front page headline said, quote, teen describes cult, tor- cult torture of boys. Defendant Miss Kelly tells police of sex mutilation. Because that's not leading. Right. Cool. Uh, while the confession had been leaked, the immediate sealing of the records prevented reporters from discovering just how little the police actually had. So all they had was a confession. They seal it. That's it. Reporters have no more access. Right. Obviously, they fought it. That's what they do. Um, the commercial appeal filed a formal re- request for the records, stating they were needed to, quote, help sort out the facts, ale- facts alleged in the case from a growing supply of rumors. That you started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a state judge reaffirmed Rainey's unusual order, stating the information contained in the records was, quote, sensitive and inflammatory, and that it would be prejudicial to the defendants to have those documents released to the public prior to the trial. Hmm. So the confession wasn't prejudicial? Right. I can say that, but I can't say pe- peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> Peculiarities. You can't say it either. I can't either. What's that other word you can't say that drives me fucking crazy? I don't know, a lot. Well, yeah, but... Profusiously. <laughs> profusiously. I'm sweating profusiously. It's not a real word. It's not? No! It's profusely. Profusiously. No. <laughs> it should it. be profusely. <sighs> okay, so I promise we're not drinking whiskey yet. Right. Promise. <laughs> Um, we should though. We should get shit faced. Oh, and do babe, an I won't be able to talk at all. No, you no. <laughs> that, that's legit what you sound like. I'll be speaking in tongues. <laughs> Just slibber the flab, the slibber the dab. Start clicking. <laughs> okay, so a rubber dub dub. Totally forgot where I was. Okay, so the media didn't have any records, so they reported. The ridiculous made-up statements from anybody willing to comment. You know, like when they get the dumbest person fucking possible to be interviewed on the news? Yeah. Uh, The USA Today was actually the only media outlet to quote the people, I'm just going to take this off, to quote the people supporting them, the teenagers. Joe Hutchinson, who is Damien's biological father, said, quote, I thought the law of this land was that the accused were considered innocent until someone proved them guilty. A friend of the Miss Kelly family said that Jesse wasn't into satanic worship. He was into country music, <laughs> which I found to be a great statement. Yeah. My tank top is like riding up a straight me crazy. Just um, take it off. I, I'm going to, no. Um, <laughs> a West Memphis newspaper contacted quote unquote experts yeah. in the occult. Do you want to know who that was? Who? Twat face Jerry Driver. Oh, of course. And a Memphis psychiatrist and writer. So based off of their interviews, the paper reported that, quote, Eccles' reading habits could help determine the nature of his thinking and possible cult activities. Hmm. Interesting. So you read Stephen King and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, While all of this bullshit was being reported and the three teenagers were in custody, the West Memphis police entered the second phase of their investigation. On to more bullshit. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Uh, exactly what they're doing, because now it's a scramble to find actual evidence against these three teenagers. Uh, Detective Ray, wanting to continue helping the West Memphis police, interviewed Aaron Hutchinson again, the eight-year-old. No relation to Damien's dad. Yeah. Aaron had given several conflicting statements 
Uh, his first version was that he knew the boys and had declined their invitation to play in the woods the afternoon of the murders. But by the time the teenagers were arrested, he said he'd witnessed the murders. A few hours after the arrests were announced, Bray decided to interview Aaron again. This child is eight. Okay? And his mom was the one who decided to play detective. Yeah. So he's fucked. Fucked. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Aaron said on the afternoon of the murders, he had ridden his bike to Robin Hood Woods. He saw five men, three of them um, the teenagers, wearing matching black t-shirts with dragons, which Morbid said it perfect. They're like, yeah, you need team t-shirts, obviously, for a oh, cult meeting. Oh, fuck yeah. For sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, you do. Carrying knives, quote, like Indians in the jungle have. Either, like, the matching t-shirts, they should be, like, the affliction shirts. You remember those popular affliction? I do, but you know what? So when they see, <laughs> like, matching t-shirts with dragons, you know what I'm picturing? What? Like, the cartoon T-Rex. <laughs> like, not actual dragons. <laughs> That'd be even better. I know. That's what I'm saying. I want a gang with fucking T-Rexes. Oh, we should totally get them. Yeah. We could. Um, so he said that they had knives like Indians in the jungle have. Indians aren't in the jungle. Yeah. Jesse was holding Stevie in the water. so smart. Yeah. Telling him, quote, I don't want to kill you yet until what my boss says. Damien was the boss. Michael and Christopher found two guns, hid behind a tree, then jumped out and attempted to shoot them, but the guns weren't loaded. Michael's neck had been cut. Damien raped the boys. Jesse cut off all their private parts. Jesse began to chase Aaron, but Aaron was able to trip him and run away. Hmm. Good story. So that was used as evidence. Oh, my God. Come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come the fuck on. Um, <clears throat> it gets better. June 8th, they interviewed him again. Hi, could your mom be a mom and maybe say no? Right. Just out of. You know, right. your kid's talking about other kids having their throats slit and you continue to let this happen. Yeah. Cool. So this time he said that uh, Jesse called him the night before and told him to bring his friends to the woods. When Aaron got there, Michael and Christopher were already there behind a tree. Damien was holding a knife. Jesse ran Stevie into Damien's knife, cutting him in the stomach. Aaron was tied up by Jesse for 40 seconds. 40 seconds, exactly. Before he was able to kick free, and then the boys were raped after Aaron left. Wow. Uh, terrible stories made up by a child, encouraged by police and his mother. Yeah. This poor baby. But at this point, all they had was Jesse's statement, so Bray figured a second eyewitness would be invaluable, regardless of the fact it completely contradicted the first story and kept changing. Mm-hmm. Gitchell agreed, mm-hmm. and they interviewed him again. Oh, my God. I'll get three days in a row. So now this time, Aaron said the boys were tied up with rope. So they just jumped on this because in Jesse's confession, he said they were tied up with rope. Yeah. Why does it fucking matter? They were tied up with shoelaces. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> it, it turns out, actually, that Aaron never does testify. Okay. Because he's just, they, the prosecution and the defense just don't, they don't want to put him on the stand. Yeah. His last version um, was that he he was the one, Aaron was actually the one dismembering Christopher because a black man was holding a gun to his head. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, on June 7th, 1993, a hearing is held to get attorneys for Damian, Jason, and Jesse. The judge appoints Val Price of Jonesboro, who is a chief public defender for Craighead County, and Scott Davidson of Jonesboro. They are to represent Damian. Yeah. Uh, he appointed Paul Ford and George Robin Wadley of Jonesboro to represent Jason. And he appointed Dan Stidham and Greg Crow, law partners from Paragold, to represent Jesse. Now, Dan Stidham Mm. never left Jesse's side. Really? Never. Mm. After 18 years, he was the one who did the Alfred plea with him. Good. So, he stuck with him. Yeah. Um, Most of these attorneys were in their mid-30s. Stidham was the youngest at 27, and none of them had much experience representing clients charged with Capital murder, yeah. obviously. Um, <clears throat> so Jason was um, stunned, completely stunned by his arrest. He was sent to a juvenile center in Jonesboro. Um, at the first meeting, his court-appointed lawyers told him the state appeared to have little evidence that implicated him. Mm-hmm. Jesse's confession would make Jason look like the most vicious of the killers, which Damien does really yeah. in it. Um, but it says in his confession that Jason was the one who castrated Christopher. Mm. So Jason did not appear weird or mentally unstable. No history of violence. He was an average student at Marion High, earning certificates for punctuality and attendance. Mm. The attorney said nothing about Jason fits the profile of someone who was about to commit multiple murders. They knew what he was accused of, but they had no corroborating evidence. Jesse is now in a panic, as, I mean, yeah. one would be. Right. So he was taken. How can you not? I know. This poor, like, oh, I want to hug you. Like, I just, I want to hug you, <laughs> you know? Um. So he was taken to a jail just west of West Memphis in the small town of Wayne. Within hours, he had sent a desperate letter to his parents. In the letter, Jesse immediately redacts everything he told the police. Yeah. Which we knew what was that was going to happen. He right. said it. I'll tell him what they want to hear now and I'll just lie later. Right. He said, quote, I hope that y'all don't hate me because I did not do it. I cannot stand it in here much longer. I will go crazy. Please try to get me out. I will die in here. Jesse's father took a letter to reporters and the commercial appeal actually printed portions of it. Um, Gitchell would make absolutely no comments on Jesse's uh, attempt to recant the confession. Yeah. Um, Now, when he was asked to assess the strength of his case, all he would say is, quote, we just have to keep on working. Mm. Well, cocky with that 11, huh? Yeah, Yeah. a little bit. So Dan Stidham actually went into this thinking Jesse was guilty. He doubted his attempt to recant and says, quote, of course, initially my take on the situation was that anybody who would confess to such a crime obviously did it. It was unfathomable, unfathomable to me that anybody would confess to a crime who had not committed it. I figured my client was obviously guilty, and so my initial thought was that my only goal was to prepare him to testify against his co-defendants and hopefully to work the best possible plea bargain I could for him. That was the only thing I figured we had going for us. We were hoping simply to avoid the death penalty. Uh, Stidham was getting pissed, though, because any hope of a plea deal was diminished every time Jesse tried to recant his confession. Right. Um, when Jesse's father was around, he insisted he didn't do it. But when his father wasn't around, he would try to tell the attorney, 
what happened, but he could never tell the same story twice. Yeah. If you're telling the truth, you can tell the same story twice. Yeah. So um, Stidham says that there were always, quote, major inconsistencies. He said he had no idea what he was dealing with. And then said he uh, he would later recall a visit towards the end of the summer. And this is kind of what made him, it made it click. Like, yeah. that he wasn't, you know. So he says, quote, I went back to the jail and said, you've got a level with me. Were you there or were you not? And he said he was not. And I said, why would you have told me all this time that you were there? He said, well, I didn't want to die in the electric chair. I explained to him that Greg and I were on his side and that's when I began to realize that he didn't understand what a lawyer was. He had no idea what a defense attorney was. He didn't understand the concept. To him, a lawyer was just a person who was part of the justice system and he thought we were detectives. He didn't understand that we were on his team. That's when I began to see Jesse Miskelly in a different light. At that time, he had a weird haircut and tattoos. He looked like an ordinary, everyday street thug, but the kid was handicapped. Bill Clinton had just been elected president of the United States, and everybody in the state of Arkansas knew who he was, but Jesse Miss Kelly did not. Wow. Sidham concluded the confession had been coursed and started studying the phenomenon, phenomenon of false confessions and abruptly changed his strategy. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this one breaks my heart. So during a visit, Jesse asked Stidham who Satan or um, Satan was. Yeah. And Stidham was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a material. What are yeah. you talking about? So Jesse gives him a pamphlet a preacher had given him about Satan. Jesse had heard of the devil, but never heard of him referred to as Satan. He was reading it as Satan. So the kid's a devil worshiper and doesn't know who the fuck Satan is. Dude. Yeah, he said, quote, it was one of the most ironic moments of the entire ordeal. There I was sitting in a jail cell with this confessed satanic killer and he was asking me who Satan was. Yeah. <clears throat> On June 8th of 1993, Damien took 12 pills of Elevil, which was his antidepressant. Yeah. His mother brought the medication to the jail and the guards had been dispensing the meds, but obviously not making sure he took it. Right. He ended up in the hospital getting his stomach pumped. Damien really did have mental health issues. Yeah. It doesn't make him a murderer. Right. Obviously. Fuck, I got mental issues. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, you and I are both fucked. I mean, I might smother you, but whatever. Right. It's just you. <laughs> so, Ron Lax, he is a Memphis private investigator who often helps defense attorneys with capital murder cases, offered his assistance. This guy is the tits. Like... He really doesn't. Um, it was decided after meeting with all the defense attorneys that Damien pretty much needed the most help, yeah. so he would work with Damien. Okay. He went into this like Stidham, thinking all three were guilty. His assistant, Glory Shettles, was a formal, former parole officer and prosecutor's assistant with a master's in counseling, would take most of the legwork because of her degree, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Glory visited Damien almost weekly, Damien told Glory about his poor upbringing and being bullied. He said he started wearing black clothing because his ex-girlfriend Deanna told him he looked good in it. So he started buying pieces of black clothing. Not because of the devil. Right. Um, he started wearing a trench coat, which he now regrets because at the time he thought it was, quote, cool. Yeah. I would wear a trench coat. Um, 
he discovered in high school that being ridiculed for being strange was something that he could control. Yeah. And he would much rather have that than be picked on for things he couldn't control. Which is a big part of why he tried to stand out, you know. Um, When he was in school, he adopted what he called his vampire look. He was earning the reputation of devil worshiper more and more because of the way he dressed and the way he answered the stupid questions he was asked. They would ask him if he drank blood and all this shit. And yeah. so, of course, he's he's a smart ass fucking seventeen year old kid right. who's like, yeah, fuck face, like, yeah, of course I do. Anti authority, like, yeah. he's just he's a he's a dick, right? He's seventeen, right? You know. So he said that him, Jason, and Dominie were continuously harassed by police, including Jerry Driver and Steve Jones, for almost a year and a half before the murders. Now, Jerry Driver confirms this later on during testimony and says that he watched a group of seven kids going towards the occult. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, So after a visit with Damien, Lax wrote, quote, Before his arrest, Steve Jones, his probation officer, uh, had asked why Eccles had not been around, asked him. Eccles stated he had not been around because his probation was over. He stated Jones acted very suspicious during the visit. Jones gave Eccles some information regarding the murders. He told Eccles someone urinated in the mouth of one of the boys. Then when the West Memphis Police Department asked him what he knew about the murder, and he stated someone had urinated into one of the victim's mouths, they denied uh, Steve Jones ever even knowing this statement, Mm -hmm. and only someone at the murder scene would be aware of this information. Mm. He knew. Yeah. He knew. Um, discovery was slowly trickling into the defense attorney's office. The prosecution was being a dick. They were sending like two files at a time. None yeah. of it was in order. So Lax scoured the reports, including the autopsy results, and found nothing about urine in any of the boys' stomachs. Yeah. Apparently, it was a comment made by the ME, Frank Peretti, very early in the investigation, before the autopsies were done. Right. Um, that it's possible that there was urine in the boy's stomach, but there was absolutely nothing to support this. Uh, however, Gitchell and an unidentified West Memphis official put this in their written report anyways. Um, Damien had an air of arrogance that pissed the police off because he didn't give a fuck. Um, <clears throat> he said he felt safe because he believed the police would never find evidence because he didn't do anything. They'd be forced to let him go and look stupid in the process. His uh, arrogance was only a facade, though. This poor kid was scared shitless, obviously. Glory said that every time she talked to him, um, his hands were shaking and sometimes he cried. Mm -hmm. He ended up smoking up to eight cigarettes an hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I can't even. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Um, He said he had little hope of a jury believing him and, quote, stated many times he prays if there is a God, he will not allow him to live another day. He further stated that he is going insane, but he is not certain of what will happen to him mentally should this process occur. At the time, Arkansas was one of the five states that held uh, bifurcated trials, so his mental health history actually might be beneficial during his sentencing. Um, After Damien's last hospitalization, he was actually declared totally disabled from mental illness by the Social Security Administration. No kidding. So he did. And he was trying to take care of himself, you know? Yeah. so the one thing that I didn't write it down, I just remember after he overdosed on his antidepressant, yeah, they stopped giving it to him. Did they really? Cold fucking turkey. Oh Jesus! 
cold like turkey. Like the worst fucking thing you could do. So he starts hallucinating. Yeah. And goes into full-blown fucking paranoia. Yeah. Full-blown. Um, telling Which Glory. is it, that's, very fucking real. That's what happens. Because it fucking happened to me. Yep. They, they just stopped. He, he couldn't take it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fucking terrible. So he told Glory, quote, I think the police are up to something. They are doing something to the food and putting some kind of gas in the vents. I think they are doing something to my medicine, which he wasn't even getting anymore. Right. So he's hallucinating. Yeah. Uh, in mid-August, Damien went on a hunger strike because he didn't want to go to trial, thinking he would not get a fair trial. Yeah. Sweetie, you're not gonna. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Glory wrote, quote, as I left, one of the older jailers asked when Michael, because his name is Michael. Mm-hmm. So during the trial, they call him Michael might be moved to the state mental hospital for an evaluation. He stated he did not understand why the attorneys had not already moved him, as it was inevitable that he would need to be transferred for an evaluation. There are several jail jailers there that apparently took Michael's medical condition very seriously, and they appeared to be sympathetic and concerned for his welfare. Yeah. Damien described himself as a, quote, walking razor blade. This poor guy. Like, so... Jesse, he didn't have a great time in jail. Yeah. He kind of just, you know, like snuck into the background. Jason was eh, so-so. Damien, the reason he got put in solitary was because he, on a daily basis, was being violently beaten and raped. Jesus. So they put him in solitary for his own good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he repeatedly wrote in his journal that he was losing his mind. The letters to his family became increasingly desperate um, as he alternated between utter delusion and acute awareness. In one letter, he begs for a doctor, saying, quote, I need a doctor. I think I'm having a nervous breakdown, and I'm afraid to tell the people here. Help me. They have invaded and destroyed my world. Now, in contrast, his letters to Domini, his pregnant girlfriend, we're happy and upbeat talking about the upcoming birth of their child, saying he's hoping he'd be home by Christmas to see the baby. Uh, as a private investigator working for Damien, most of Lex's time from June until the end of 1993 was spent con- compiling info and making sense of the files being sent by Fogelman. Some of that was Jesse's confession, which Lex said was, quote, questionable at the very least. Fogelman's office would send records over three to four times a month with no continuity or organization. Quote, we were interviewing everybody we could find and nobody had detrimental information with the exception of Vicki and Aaron. We kept wondering what the police had that they still hadn't seen. That was from Lex. Uh, publicity about the crime was going to widen here pretty quickly. A production company named Creative Thinking International owned by Bruce I'm going to say his name wrong. Sanofsky and Joe Berlinger contacted Pam Eccles to film the baby shower that they were throwing for Domini. These are the guys who filmed the documentary. Oh, really? So they started at the baby shower yeah. and never left. Really? So these these two guys are the ones who they no filmed kidding. it. Um, after being told that Damien's lawyers had given permission and the production company promised them a high chair, Pam agreed to allow them to film. Um, all the records sent by Fogelman's office during the summer were from before the arrests and completely chaotic. 
The defense knew nothing about Narlene Hollingsworth sighting until the end of August and got no transcripts of Aaron and Vicky's interviews until the beginning of September. Uh, eventually, they started to receive records regarding police activity since the arrests. Uh, one report found was from Detective Ridge. On July 1st, Ridge reported that he returned back to the scene to, quote, look for evidence which may have been missed. Ridge claimed to have found the two sticks that Jesse claimed the boys were beat and strangled with, which they weren't strangled with sticks. Right. Um, other than the location, there was absolutely nothing connecting the sticks to the crime. Nonetheless, they were submitted into evidence. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Out what of the fuck? 600 items of, of physical... Of course they were. Yeah. Uh-huh. Out of 600 items of physical evidence collected, the lab reportedly, uh, excuse me, reported finding only a few fibers that were microscopically similar to fibers found in the homes of, um, it was Damien and Jason. It was a red robe, house coat, Mm -hmm. whatever, at Jason's, and a shirt that wouldn't fit Damien at Damien's house. Yeah. Um, So the, the fibers were microscopically similar. However... Both items were mass-produced items sold at Walmart. No. So it could have been fucking anybody. It could have been anyone. Uh, as Lax was able to organize records and reports, he began to focus on elements that would be essential to the defense. He interviewed the two girls who Damien said he spoke to via phone the night of the murders, both confirmed and said that they were positive on the date and time. On October 7th, 1993, Lax spoke with Detective Bray, who showed him a list of names on a piece of paper that he pulled out of his pocket. Quote, he held this up and told me that when he first learned of the murders, he wrote down the names of people he knew to be responsible. Not thought, he knew. Bray went on to say that he had been in the business and area for quite some time, and based on the particulars of the crime and after talking with twat-faced Jerry Driver, He knew the people on the list and who was responsible. When asked why he picked Damien, Jesse, and Jason and Dominique out of the list of eight names, quote, he could not be specific, but referred to rumors which had been circulating throughout the community. They got nothing. Yeah. Uh, Lax then met with Gitchell and Ridge. Quote, I asked them how Damien Eccles' name had first been presented in connection with this investigation, and they discussed all the rumors and talk in the West Memphis area regarding Damien and his interest in satanic worship. Further conversation revealed they spoke with twat-faced Jerry Driver, who provided them with a great deal of information regarding Eccles and satanic cults. At this point, I asked Gitchell and Ridge what they found at the crime scene, which was indicative of a cult killing. Their response was that the crime scene was so clean with no available evidence. Hmm. So, what? Yeah. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Um, During the conversation, Ridge and Gitchell stated it was their impression that Jason Baldwin was a pretty good kid and had never been in trouble before. But Jesse Miss Kelly was, quote, mean as a snake. Poor baby. They also felt Damien was the ringleader of the bunch. When I reminded them that Damien had no prior arrest record, with the exception of the problems he had with his ex-girlfriend, they agreed to this fact, but cited Damien's psychological problems. Mm. Fuck you. Yeah. You got fucking psychological problems. Yeah, right? Um, at this point, they expressed their expectations for Damien's defense to be insanity. They are firmly convinced Damien is insane. Mm. He's not. You fuckface. August 4th of 1993, 
Damien, Jesse, and Jason were led into a heavily guarded courtroom for their first pretrial hearing. Judge David Burnett. Oh. He's a dickwad. Oh my God. He's a dick. Uh, told a reporter that he read a book about Satanism for, quote, informational purposes. Oh, good job. In preparation for the case. Great job, Judge. All three teenagers pled not guilty to three counts of felony capital murder each. Uh, opinions of Judge Burnett were actually mixed. Some regarded him as affable, smart, and one of the best of the region's good old boys. Because oh, that's what you fucking yeah, want. There you go. In the fucking Bible about Jesus right. Christ. All I picture is like Colonel fucking Sanders. But not like <laughs> the, the original Colonel, San- Colonel Sanders, but like the guy that's in the commercials now. That's what I picture. Or the fucking Colonel Sanders that was the teacher in Waterboy. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, that is exactly. Yo, Madubla Omdomgada. <laughs> you know, that was one of Leah's test questions. Was it really? She's like, Ma, what the hell is a Madula Oblongada? <laughs> I was like, Watch Waterboy. Right. You will learn. You'll know. She's like, No, Mom, like, I'm taking the test. What? <laughs> what Seriously, yeah. watch Waterboy. Right. Um, other people thought he was a fucking dickhead. Um, they felt that he still acted as a policeman and a prosecutor at heart, and a local politician called him a, quote, political alligator. Burnett was very skeptical about testimony in the field of psychology and made no attempts to hide his opinion. During this case, he was working on his thesis for a judicial master's degree, and during an interview with the Commercial Appeal, which I've spelled commercial eight different times now, <laughs> um, that his thesis centered on his beliefs that the expert opinions of psychiatrists and psychologists, quote, shouldn't be given the great weight that it's normally given by courts, juries, and what have you. Oh, really? Huh. Hmm. Why is that? Hmm. Because you're a fucking good old boy. Yeah. (laughs) That's why. Um, He promptly addressed mental capacity with the attorneys, giving them 30 days to file an insanity plea or it would be considered waived. Um, all of the defense attorneys are like, fuck you, we're going with innocent, not insanity. Yeah. So not a single one did. Uh, the first ruling that Burnett made was that Jesse would be tried separately from Damien and Jason. This was based off of the standard of Bruton rule. Remember? I had to look this up. Yeah. So this establishes one co-defendant's confession when not given as testimony on the stand cannot be used in a shared trial because it would affect jury perception of other defendants even if it was said to only implicate the confessing defendant. Right. So if they didn't try him separately, they wouldn't be able to use Jesse's confession. That's basically what that boils down to. Yeah. On September 9th, 1993, Seth Damien Azaria Tier was born. Damien's son. Uh, Between August and November, the teenagers were transported back and forth to court four times. Each time it was an absolute media circus with reporters trying to get reactions. Um, it worked with, with Damien. Mm-hmm. And he had to be told several times to fucking knock it off. Like, oh, really? Stop telling the reporters, fuck you. Like, it's not a good idea. Uh, it's not a good look for you. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, and uh, John Mark Byers would yell at him. Oh, really? Every time they went into court. And finally the one day, he, he told his attorney he's like i couldn't take it anymore and he turned around and he told him to fuck off no kid so every day he would do it um so when they got inside the courthouse there was no holding area like you know we would normally go into yeah 
Um, so they were all held in a room with guards. They weren't allowed to talk, obviously. But Jason and Damien would smile and nod at each other because they missed each other. Yeah. Poor Jesse would just immediately put his head down. Mm. Wouldn't say a word. Um, Damien's been asked several times if he's mad at Jesse, and he was he responded with, quote, I've been asked many times if I'm mad at Jesse for accusing me. The answer is no, because it's not Jesse's fault. It's the fault of the weak and lazy civil servants who abuse the authority placed in their hands by people who trust them. Right on. Good statement. Yes. Um, at one point, Detective Ridge came to the jail to collect uh, court-ordered hair and blood samples, which is bullshit. He just yeah. showed up and said he was doing this. He went to see Jason to tell him that his attorney, Paul Ford, could not be trusted and did not have his best interests at heart. He told Jason that he was formerly a cop in Wayne and he knew Ford because Ford was an attorney in Wayne at the same time mm. and that Ford would not do a good job for him. Wow. Paul Ford, the attorney, was like, what yeah. the fuck? Wrote a letter to Fogelman, the, the prosecutor, top prosecutor. Um, Fogelman basically said that Jason was full of shit and he made it up and it never happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but his attorney, Paul Ford, was like, no, no. How would he know I was a, an attorney in Wayne? And how would he know this cop was a cop in Wayne? Yeah. So clearly he did not make it up. Um, discovery was still coming in slow as shit and in no order. Um, at one hearing, the search warrants came into question and the defense tried to suppress the evidence taken in the search. Not only were the warrants super vague, and this made me think of you, obviously, because of how you had to write them. Yeah. Like specifically what you wanted yeah. per item. So the term cult materials was written in this report. When asked what it meant, Detective Ridge had a hard time explaining it on the stand, um, <clears throat> but said it was books and posters and such. No. What? No. You got to specifically say nope. what the fuck. Cult materials. That's what they said. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the fuck I wrote here. I think I put two sentences together. Maybe I'm awesome? Huh. Oh. Oh, he blames the judge. Okay, now. I get it now. No, wait, did you just say maybe that you're awesome? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Maybe you just put that in your notes. I did. I did. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Permanent marker. Jeez, you almost shook the whole table. I did fix the table, though. Yeah, good job. So, um, So he had a hard time explaining it, but then basically was like, Listen, Judge Rainey came and helped us prepare this warrant. Yeah. And then approved it. <laughs> yeah. So he told us to write cult materials. What do you want me to say? The judge approved it. Yeah. Um, judge Rainey was called to testify and adamantly denied taking part in the preparation of any of the affidavit. He said that he approved the warrant because of the close relationship of the teenagers, which wasn't actually a fucking thing. And the nighttime warrant to immediately collect evidence. Ford argued that Rainey had not been um, independent and detached enough to issue the warrant. Clearly he wasn't, right? Right. Yeah, Burnett was like, fuck you. He's good. His decision, his decision was solid and the courts are backing him. <laughs> um, Twatface isn't even good enough for him. 
Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I I need time to think of a name for him. Because, yeah, we got to think of a good one. Yeah. Um, the defense attorneys argue that all they wanted was, quote, a level playing field. How about a, a, just a poop shoot? No, because you, you like that. You like poop shoot. We can't call him anything that we like. Yeah, true. Because he's, I mean, he's a, he's something else. Douche face. Oh, my God. So he, Fogelman issued, I don't, have, I wanted to know if you've heard of these prosecutors subpoenas. It's a rarely used tool that allows the prosecution to question witnesses under oath before the trial. Yeah. Okay. Um, my note says probably because they didn't have fucking shit to build the case. Right. So. But no, I've, yeah, it's happened. Okay. So Lax attended the interview when Fogelman questioned Damien's family. Um, Burnett had appointed a West Memphis attorney to represent Damien's family. <laughs> Great attorney that right. he appointed because he went right up to Lax and he's like, yeah, they're fucking guilty. Oh, what is do you want to know why he said they were guilty? Why? Because uh, Christopher Byers' genitals were found in a jar under Damien's bed. Yeah, which they were not. Right, because they were never found. So, cool. You're a smart lawyer. Right. Good job. Um, and at what point, don't you think you would have been like, maybe I shouldn't represent this family because <laughs> right. um, I think they found balls under their bed? Like, I don't... Why? <sighs> maybe he thought he was going to get paid. Babe, I fucking hate people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lax was like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Um, no, that's not what happened. And this dingus kept arguing with him and was like, well, check your facts. Okay. Okay. Um, I wrote, where were these rumors coming from that attorneys who had the ability to get firsthand information still believed the (laughs) bullshit? Right. Because he would be able to access that information, right? Cool. One would think. Yeah. So the defense attorneys, they wanted the same type of opportunity to question uh, Gitchell, Allen, and Ridge under oath. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quote, in the interest of a fundamentally fair trial. Fogelman uh, argued that the defense already had the officer's reports and everything that they had. And Burnett decided that was good enough and denied the motion. Mm. The defense teams filed multiple motions, uh, including one to suppress Jesse's confession, and got denied left and fucking right. Mm. Jason's attorneys repeatedly attempted to have his trial separated from Damien's for fear that, quote, Baldwin could be associated with the activity that there is no evidence he ever participated in. Damien's attorneys also asked for the trials to be severed. Um, Burnett denied all the motions for severance, stating that he could find, quote, No reason that either defendant would be unduly jeopardized by a joint trial. Mm. Okay. I need something better than talk face. Yeah. Um, He told the the lawyers, though, that, quote, the jury, of course, will be instructed that they are to treat each defendant separately in viewing and evaluating the evidence. What human being can do that? Right. Like when they say shit like strike that from the record. You can't. Right. You can't, and you're going to factor it in. Like, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> so mad. Um, another major battle for Jason and Jesse's attorneys concerned their status as minors. Jesse was 17 and Jason was 16, so their lawyers wanted them to be tried as juveniles. Arkansas did have a law, however, that would allow juveniles to be tried as adults in uh, serious crimes, which obviously murder is a serious crime. Um, 
Jason's attorney tried to use his lack of a record in being good in school as leverage, and Burnett didn't give a shit. Stidham tried the same for his client, except... Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. His argument was that Jesse was not mentally mature enough to stand trial as an adult. He says, quote, I am convinced that Mr. Miskelly is of limited intellect. Babe, listen to what this fuckface judge says. So they get... um. A psychiatrist on the stand. He testifies at a pretrial hearing. He examined Jesse and said his IQ was hovering around 70 and he he achieved, quote, maximum level no higher than third grade. Mm. Quote, he's never passed the Arkansas minimum standards test. Burnett then asked Dr. Wilkins if Jesse had, quote, street smarts. Quote, even though his intelligence capacity is borderline, did he not function in society well? And the doctor said he functioned marginally. That was good enough for Burnett. Mm. So street smarts, not not so he can get into a fight. Right. He he can get into a fight, and that that's enough for him to be tried as an adult. <laughs> I guess. I'm so uh, fucking baffled. Uh, I babe Burnett. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm trying to look up a word. Oh, okay. Oh, for, for Burnett? Mm-hmm. What's my Urban Dictionary word? Uh, that's, Fletching? <laughs> yeah. I'm on Urban Dictionary trying to find a, like, a word for idiot. <laughs> um, so it was determined that all three teenagers would be tried as adults. Now, Damien was 18 at the time of the crime, so he was going to be anyways. Um, towards the end of 1993, the defense attorneys were still fighting to question Gitchell, Ridge, and Allen under oath. Again, Fogelman argued that the defense had everything um, that the prosecution had. It just wasn't under oath. And Burnett, again, told them, fuck you. No. Oh, you got a good word. You're smiling. I, I'm just taking the first word that popped up. He's a spooky dookie. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Taking a spooky dookie is when en- one enters a bathroom or restroom with the lights off. You have no source of light. Everything must be pitch black. (laughs) Then you must proceed to take a shit as you normally would. Wipe, wash your hands, and leave, all without the lights off. That's Leah, because I'll leave on the (laughs) Yep, she's been taking spooky dookies. (laughs) We are going to get ripped apart for laughing so much during this awful episode. I know, right? I did buy her light bulbs, though. I saw that. <laughs> I can't wait to tell her. Hey, Leah, do you realize you've been spooky dookieing? <laughs> that was the first one that came up, so. Oh, my God, I fucking can't. I got to plug in my phone, so I got to step away. Whew. Okay. Uh, I don't even know where the fuck I was. Uh, Oh, yeah, Burnett denying motions again. Stidham tried to argue that even a civil defendant has the right to conduct depositions. Is that true? Like, 
Can can I, as a lay person, say it again? Um, a civil defendant has the right to conduct depositions. Mm. I, don't, I didn't look into it. I was trying to do this. I part. don't think I have an answer for that. Okay. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, so he was like, well, why can't a person... A on, civil servant? It says civil defendant. A civil defendant. Has the right to conduct depositions. Mm. Because Stidham was like, why can't a fucking person facing death row be given the same opportunity? Yeah, I don't know about that. So after that pretrial hearing in a closed courtroom, Burnett asked if Damien planned to testify, saying it would make the case, quote, more interesting. Hmm. Okay. Excuse me. Glory wrote, uh, quote, as comments such as these are made, I continue to have great concerns regarding any possibility of Michael, Damien, Eccles receiving any semblance of a fair trial. Fogelman had concerns, too. Um, Other than Jesse's confession, which he had recanted and vowed to never repeat, the state had the confession and, quote, weirdness to present against Damien. And nothing on Jason, pretty much. Right. So the kid's um, on trial for murder because he's fucking weird. Yeah. Cool. Got it. Awesome. Um, Note to self. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Fogelman is like, hey, there's a lake behind Jason's trailer. Yeah. We should search that lake. Hmm. Hmm. We're like a year in. Yeah. <laughs> We're not a year in. We're like six months in, eight yeah, months in. Um, his, uh, he stated, quote, what better place to dispose of evidence than in a lake? Hmm. Then why didn't you think of this in May, you fucking idiot? Right. Okay. Uh, so on November 17th of 1993, a dive team was called out. They entered Lakeshore Lake. Um, meanwhile, quote unquote, someone had tipped off the media. So it was a fucking circus. Oh, there was I a shit ton of people yeah. there. Um, now, Fogelman says, as far as he knew, quote, the only people who knew we were going to do a search were the police. No, that's bullshit. Because yeah. if they did find something, of course they wanted them there. So, Diver goes in. Right to where he needs to go. This diver is in this murky ass litter filled lake for less than 30 minutes and comes up with a hunting knife. Oh, God. So he can, it was a nine inch survival knife found buried in the mud with a distinctly jagged blade. This was the same kind of knife Deanna had told police that Damien owned. Mm-hmm. It seemed as if Fogelman directed police right to the evidence that would become the centerpiece of his case. I'll say this now because I'll probably forget to say it later. So it was Jason's knife. Yeah. That his mother had thrown in the lake a year prior because he didn't clean his room. So she took his fucking favorite knife and chucked it in the lake. Yeah, but still, that's too good of a find, you know. Went right to it. Yeah. Right to it. They can't find people in less than 30 minutes. So, Jesse's trial is now six six weeks away, and the defense team just received a large batch of material, including an interview with John Mark Byers before the arrests uh, that the defense knew nothing about. These interviews were from May 19th. Um, Lax focused on what the transcript implied. He said Fogelman promised all of the fathers he would seek the death penalty regardless of age. Why would you say that? If you didn't know already. 
and he doesn't see them being able to plead insanity because they attempted to cover it up. Why are you telling the families this? Babe, I don't fucking know. <laughs> this is fucking goofy. So Damien's going crazy. Legitimately yeah. going fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still chain smoking, obviously. And Lax reported um, he believed Damien was suffering from Great Depression. Uh, Lax let him know, hey, by the way, there were some broads at a softball game that said that you confessed. Um, Damien got quiet. And in the book, The Devil's Not, he didn't say that he didn't say anything about it, but he do- he doesn't like confirm or deny. Yeah. And I think because a lot of the other times in the book when people would ask him stupid fucking questions, he just wouldn't answer them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <clears throat> so the prosecution is like, we have these two girls and they spoke to Damien and they got that they heard him confess. Wow. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. You sure you're ready? I guess. You got to follow ready me. ready as can be. All right. Jenny Deacon said that Rachel Myers had overheard Damien confess. Hmm. Rachel Myers said that she heard it from Shelly Wolf. Shelly Wolf said that she heard it from Shannon Bowles. Oh my God. Shannon Bowles said that she heard it from Michelle Carter. Michelle Carter said she heard it from Shannon Bowles. Jesus Christ. Katie LaFoy said she heard Damien confess at a softball game on June 1st. Jody Medford was with her. Jody Medford said that she heard him confess the week of May 24th. Jody gave a statement on June 7th saying when she heard Damien, her sister Jackie and friend Christy Van Vickle, how cool of a name is Van Vickle, by the way, were there. However, during her court testimony, they were not there. Jackie Medford said her sister Jody and Christy Van Winkle were with her when she heard Damien confess. Van Winkle. Van Winkle. There's a third Medford sister. Jessica Medford said she overheard Katie Hendricks ask Damien if he killed the kids. Christy Van Winkle said she was with Jackie Medford when she heard him confess. What? I like at the <laughs> softball game. I didn't know devil worshippers played softball. <laughs> Like, are these girls on the team? I don't know. Is this dude. what you're talking about during batting practice? What's the name of the team? Like, Satan's Idiot. Batters? Right. Satan's Balls? In a jar. Um, Hot as balls. Oh, my God. We should have a softball. Oh, you can't run. Never mind. I, dude, I always wanted a softball team named Balls Deep. Oh, you know what? How awesome is that? Okay, so we're doing that golf thing again this year. Okay. We should be balls deep. Let's do it. You're not coming. Oh. <laughs> well, fuck you then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're not taking my name. I got that trademarked. Whatever. <laughs> Are you going to golf? <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, handicapped people play fucking golf. <laughs> I'll fucking drive in my wheelchair. <laughs> We were talking about a party bus to the game. Yeah. Is it going to have a ramp to get in? Becca's like, what about the kids? And I was like, we're putting fucking Mark on that yellow school bus and we're taking the fucking party bus. I said, we'll just all lift him in there. You guys are dicks. Jason did call me a dick, so it's okay. Yeah. You guys are real funny. (sighs) I think we are. Mm. I really think we are. (sighs) Okay, so... In late December, uh, Fogelman released an interview by Detective Bill Durham, and I always want to say um, Bull, Dur- Bull, Bull Durham, because yeah. that's the movie, right? <clears throat> um, 
with Jerry Driver earlier in the month. Driver said he had been closely monitoring seven kids who exhibited, quote, all the landmarks of satanic involvement. He described the landmarks, or earmarks, excuse me, as the tattoos and the devil rings and this and that and the other. Oh, yeah. That narrows it down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also considered Jesse's, quote, spike hair and stuff as a sign of satanic involvement. Well, yeah. Dude, so have you, have you seen pictures of these teenagers? Yeah, I've been posting The them. mullet? Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Jesse's mullet was... Uh, Phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. That ain't Satan. That is baby Jesus working on right. your hair right there. So... Fucking Kentucky waterfall. <laughs> You're laughing too much. Shit, are you drunk? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Kentucky waterfall? No. <laughs> no. Or a Camaro cut? Camaro cut, I've heard. Ape drape? Ape drape? Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Like when it's like real bushy in front. <laughs> and then... <laughs> like when the front's perm. Yeah, it's like a, a perm in the front. Ape drape. Just kind of messy. <laughs> I haven't slept in a week. You need a tissue? <laughs> An ape dream. That's what you would have. I know I do. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. I'm wearing it proudly. <laughs> Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm not a dick. I'm, I'm, this is a terrible case, and I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. I can't help it, though. I'm tired. <laughs> You're funny. Okay. Um, Marty King. Okay. So, Marty King was interviewed. Now, Marty King was the manager at the Bojangles restaurant. Yeah. So, my stomach hurts now. Um, he said the following day at the restaurant, he saw an off-duty police officer, um, told him about the bloody man that came into Bojangles. And this guy actually took it seriously. Yeah. He called Detective Allen and Sergeant Ridge because they're fucking great guys. Mm. Um, they came, they collected blood scrapings and a pair of sunglasses that Marty had pulled out of the toilet. Mm. So, um, good for Marty. Probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, not a single thing was done. At all. And the evidence was eventually lost. <laughs> Go figure. So. Now, that comes into play later. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Throwing it out there. So, Lax interviewed several teenagers who had been interviewed by the detectives and were all essentially bullied. Every one of these kids said that they didn't know what happened. And basically the same thing as Jesse got like coursed into saying yeah. yeah he told me about it of course um they so this shit. lax then interviewed five of vicky's neighbors who were witnesses to a disturbance at vicky's trailer the night of the murders yeah. this happened between 5 30 and 6 p.m all of them said that aaron was with vicky mm. now aaron said that he was in the woods watching these kids get murdered yeah no he was there so they said that Vicky spoke of the $35,000 reward often and how Aaron was getting it because he witnessed the murders. 
One neighbor called bullshit saying he couldn't have seen them because he was at the trailer park standing next to his mother. Yeah. Hmm. Filmmakers, here they come again, uh, Berlinger and Sanofsky offered the defendants and their families, along with the victims' families, money to be interviewed. Mm. Uh, they also eventually got Burnett to allow them to tape both trials. Oh, wow. That's how cameras got in. Ah. Um, all of the attorneys agreed mm-hmm. to allow the defendants to get paid. Yeah. Um, they got paid around $7,500 for their interview. That's it? Which, yeah, but I mean, to them, oh, yeah. $7,500 is like 25 fucking grand. Well, plus 93. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so from the summer of 1993 through the end of the year, they filmed and interviewed almost all of the family members with the buyers being the most vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, <clears throat> John, you watched the documentaries. Yeah. So you saw like he, John Mark Byers, like fake beats graves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. He goes fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, January 8th of 1994, West Memphis police are FedExed a knife who then sent it to the Arkansas crime lab. There was blood on the knife consistent with Christopher Myers and Mark Myers. John Mark Byers, uh, but also could be 8% of the population. Mm. So I had to throw that in there too. Now, Christopher Byers is not Mark Byers' biological son. Right. So it it's distinctively between two. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this knife was actually given to one of the crew members of the documentary by John Mark Byers. He gave him the knife on December 19th of 1993. And these poor crew members, they saw the knife and saw blood on it. And they're like, fuck, yeah. what do we do now? So they, they said, do we, do we want ratings or do we want to have morals? Like, what do we do? So they ended up sending it to the West Memphis police and they sent it out. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so Byers was questioned about the knife. He denied it ever have been you ever have being used. Did I say that right? Yeah. I sound like an idiot. Okay. Um, well, huh. well, I know I sound like an idiot, but he said it was never used. Basically, he got okay. it as a gift. He took it out of the box. He put it on top of his dresser. Okay. okay? Um, when they confronted him about the blood on it, he said he used it to try and flay uh, deer meat. Okay. Nobody questioned this. And now the interview is I I can't remember if it's Gitchell or Ridge, but they're they're friends with this guy. Yeah. So the interview is fucking ridiculous. Like the detectives oh, are apologizing to him. Yeah. I'm sorry I have to ask you this. Dude. Yeah. Uh it eventually comes out that Byers had once been convicted of domestic terrorism against his ex wife. No shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh Fogelman prosecuted the case mm-hmm. and Burnett was the judge. No shit. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. And this guy's a confidential informant. <laughs> wow. So, um, January 26th, 1994, Jesse's trial starts with a jury of seven women and five men with two male alternates. During Fogelman's opening statement, he says, quote, ultimately, Victoria Hutchinson would lead police to Miss Kelly and Miss Kelly confessed. Which is a crack of shit. Yeah. So, I think I wrote down too many details. So I'll try and I'll try and wrap it up for you. Um, if I could. Oh, so at one point the prosecution wheeled the boys' bikes 
into the classroom or the yeah. courtroom as evidence okay. and left them there. They sat at the front of the courtroom through the duration of the trial. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> That's not for shock value. Well, at, right after that, they showed uh, the jury three dozen photos of the crime scene, oh, all of the boys geez. naked and tied up. Uh, and then they showed them autopsy photos. Then they played the tape of Aaron saying, no one knows what happened but me. Yeah. Um, the amount of times during this trial that it was acknowledged that his confession was full of discrepancies is fucking obscene. Yeah. They all, all admit it. Yeah. Gitchell gets on the stand, and now all of a sudden he says that one of the boys had a wound that, quote, indicated to him that the boys could have been tied with rope. What? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, Dude, what is going on? So there's a teenager named William Jones. Uh, he was going to be called by Fogelman at the, towards the end of the trial. Uh, William Jones actually, um, gave a statement under oath, uh, a tape statement and a polygraph that Damien got drunk and confessed that he was in a satanic cult and raped and killed three boys. Well, the day comes for him to testify, mm-hmm. and he fucking panics. Mm. So he says, I have to talk to my mom first. Yeah. Whatever. Mom comes out of the room and was like, so what happens if he lies to the police? Yeah. He made it up. Made the whole thing up. And was terrified to testify and lie under oath. Yeah. Um, so Jesse, at this point, was under the impression that he's, he's doing good. Like, he's going to go home. Yeah. He says, quote, I thought a statement weren't nothing. If that was the evidence against me, I figured it would, wouldn't be no good because the stuff I'd seen on TV, if you convict somebody, you've got to have some kind of physical evidence. Anybody can say anything. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that his attorney brings up that the actual, that Jason and Damien's attorneys bring up is that um, while they were um, not searching the bodies, but like, processing i guess they found a negroid hair in the sheet that one of the bodies was wrapped in oh really and the guy who went into bojangles yeah was a black man right also four or five of the search and rescue guys were black too so yeah um so now the psychiatrist that um said that jesse was borderline um intellectually disabled basically yeah was about to lose his license for making a little boy pull his pants down to show him a birthmark with nobody else present. Really? Yeah. He did end up losing his, his oh, license. Jesus. Um, so then they get uh, this guy, Holmes. They never say his first name. So he's a consultant for the FBI and the Canadian Mounted Police. Police, yeah. Um, in regards to polygraphs. Mm-hmm. They can't ask him anything. The judge is like, no, I don't need to know his opinion on polygraphs. It's what he... Does. <laughs> so he's he's wow. an expert on polygraphs and coarse confessions yeah. and they wouldn't let him answer any questions every oh, time shit. yeah every time stidham would get up to ask a question mm-hmm. one of the prosecution attorneys would um object, object yeah. it got to the point where stidham was finally like okay so if i write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to you can you read it and then tell me whether or not I could fucking ask us ask this so we can stop? Because every time they had to stop with the objection, the jury had to leave the room. So the jury uh, reaches a verdict the day after closing arguments by noon. Um, 
They convicted Jesse with first degree murder with Michael Moore. And second-degree murder for Stevie and Christopher. Now, the jury uh, spokesperson said that it wasn't um, it, it wasn't the satanic thing that they took into account. Mm-hmm. Um, they concluded it was the statement of him chasing Michael Moore. Really? Because the police had never brought anything like that up. He brought it up on his own. Yeah. So, okay, so now I'm going to kind of wing it, so I apologize to you guys. Okay, so... Damien and Jason at this point are now, they're fucked. Yeah. It's, it's his confession. He's been convicted. So their trial starts on February 28th of 1994. Um, Damien testifies. Oh, really? Which was a bad fucking idea because he's a pissed off fucking teenager. Yeah. Bad idea. Uh, Jason refused to testify against Damien and vice versa. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The prosecution calls a cult expert on the stand who says that, quote, black nail polish, dyed black hair, black clothing, and tattoos are signals of a connection to a satanic cult. Yeah, We're course. fucked. Yep. Yeah. Um, also that it was a full moon the night of the murders. Oh, can't forget about yeah, that. Yeah, can't forget about that. Um, <laughs> so this is the problem with Damien getting on the stand. When they were reading his journals and questioning him about his journals, he made a comment about sacrificing 150 children in one year. Yeah. He was referring to him ejaculating after masturbating. <laughs> like in Legally Blonde, where yeah. none of the ejaculatory emissions right. resulted in pregnancy. He was being a dick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't even know what that fucking word is. Um now, Jason didn't testify, but said he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Michael Roy Carson, Carson, excuse me, was put on the stand. He was in juvenile detention with Jason. And he testified that Jason confessed to him very detailed um, about the murder, saying that he even drank blood from Christopher. Um, it, it gets a little graphic. Yeah. Just, it's coming. So, um he later on uh, recants and apologizes in the documentary, saying that he 100% lied and made it up. Wow. So, <clears throat> I'm going to have to flip here. So, what am I looking at here? Oh, okay. Papers. So, um, during Jesse's trial, uh, it, it came out that the boys were not sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, it was, Frank Peretti said that if they were, it would have been forced. There would have been, uh, injuries to the rectum and the anus. So the defense for Jason and Damien tried to block any mention of it. Mm -hmm. And Burnett said, fuck you. So during their trial, the prosecution said multiple times that the boys were raped and sodomized. Yeah. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah, he did not help. Um. So the Emmy Frank Peretti, who's the idiot, he's supposed to be impartial mostly, but I guess yeah. in Arkansas, um, the Emmys work for the prosecution essentially. Really? Yeah. So they're not impartial, obviously. But this guy's an idiot, anyways. So he said there were multiple scratch marks on the boys that were caused by a serrated knife being dragged across their bodies. Isn't it convenient that they found a serrated knife yeah. in the lake? Uh huh. Real convenient. Yeah. He also said that they were hit over and over with a serrated blade. Like, 
fuck is that going to do? What is it? Yeah. What is that going to do? Dipshit. Um, <clears throat> in uh, 2009, Dr. Michael Baden was brought in. Yeah. You know I love him. Mm-hmm. To review uh, the autopsies. He said the autopsy results look like they were being... Your papers are I'm totally sorry. hitting the mic. It was me hitting the mic. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so he comes out and says that the autopsies were purpose, purposefully made to look like a satanic um, ritualistic murder. Yeah. Even going as far as saying things could have happened post-mortem. Yeah. Injuries could have happened post-mortem to make it look like that. He says, quote, I think, unfortunately, that quick assumption of satanic cult colored the autopsy interpretations and police investigations wrongly. Mm -hmm. So then Michael Roy Carson comes out and he very detailed said he didn't come out because he didn't want to give the details in front of the family. Um, He came out and said that Jason was the one who raped the boys and that he had, quote, sucked the blood from the penis and scrotum and put the balls in his mouth of Christopher Byers. Um, Again, he came out and said he lied. Here's the problem, though. Um, A prison counselor ends up writing a letter to Jason's attorney. This prison counselor says that he had a meeting with Michael Carson and they were discussing the murders. Yeah. And this was something that they were discussing. And that after that meeting, Michael Carson came out with this story. Really? So this, um, the juvenile detention counselor was like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Like, I want to fix it. I want to testify. Like, let me do this. Yeah. Everything was set. They did, you know, the deposition. Everything was good. And then Judge Burnett was like, nope. Nope. Not only that, they weren't, um, the defense was not allowed to say that this happened. They were not allowed to put, you know, on record that this guy said that he made, he told the guy and he made the story up to get out of jail. Um, So Jason and Damien... Hang on. Hanging. I'm sorry. They, uh, mm, Unorganized. Uh, yeah, because I wanted to get it <laughs> recorded tonight. I feel bad. So hang on. Hang on. Uh, okay. So Damien's trial, some of the evidence used against him was um, a metal- Metallica tape they found. Some of his t-shirts and his... Um, history of library books that he checked out okay yeah because he checked out books on magic magic not satan right magic uh one of the um pieces of evidence against jason was him in a metallica t-shirt i better throw mine out you better throw it the fuck out babe um so after four and a half hours of deliberations on Friday, March 18th of 1994, Jason and Damien are both found guilty of capital murder. Jesus. Um, Jason is sentenced to uh, life plus 20 years. Wow. And Damien is sentenced to death. Oh, my God. Because he was 18 when it happened. Yeah. Um, they basically said he got death because he was weird. He was the weirder one out of all of them. Um, so, per yeah, the, of course. Death. Yeah. Per the confession, they were all equal, essentially. Um, 
<clears throat> Judge Burnett during sentencing said, quote, do either of you have any legal reason to show the court as to why the sentence should not be imposed? Jason very quietly says, because I'm innocent. Mm -hmm. Judge Burnett says, pardon, and Jason yells, because I'm innocent. Judge Burnett says, well, the jury has heard the evidence and concluded otherwise. So, um, <clears throat> so now Dr. Vincent DeMeo, so now we're into the appeals process. Okay. Yeah. So they find this doctor, Dr. Vincent DeMeo, and I cannot say the word that these doctors are. Yeah. So I'm not even going to fucking try. Okay. Um, so he looks at the autopsy photos. And now remember, Christopher Byers was castrated and yeah. Stevie Branch's face had looked like horrific bite marks. Yeah. Um, he thinks it's a turtle. There you go. What did I say he, from the get-go? He thinks, he thinks that... Fucking reptile. Yes, that it's a turtle, which would make sense as to why they never found his genitals. Yeah, they're eaten. So, now, he says he's convinced that they are turtle bite marks. He compares the bite marks to bite marks of a turtle yeah. onto, like, clay or whatever. Yeah. Match perfectly. There's no way it was caused by a serrated knife. Six other of these experts, forensic experts, uh, agreed that animals caused the facial wounds and the castration. <clears throat> Not, obviously, them. Yeah. Jason said when he heard the guilty verdict, it wouldn't matter if it was an hour, a lifetime, or death. He was dead. Um, the winter after entering prison, this is when he received the letter from the counselor, and they wouldn't let him testify. Um, now, Judge Burnett was actually their judge through the entire yeah, process. process. So every appeal, Came he through went through him. Yeah. Um, there was a question about uh, closed-door meetings with Fogelman and Davis without the defense team. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty serious issue, and Judge Burnett admitted that he did do this, but he was also the judge to rule on his own behavior. <laughs> That's awesome. So he he did he thought it was a non-issue no, and and got mad and said I did my job and I did a good job. Yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. Okay. Um yeah, he said in an interview that he thought he did great. And it's some Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. Sure. Um Jason went to prison a small 16-year-old who was seen as a baby killer. He went in trying to be tough and keep to himself, and he was eventually able to get a job and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, him and Jesse, for a time, were incarcerated together. Mm -hmm. Jesse had a hard time because he was he was a third grader in a fucking adult prison. Yeah. So, I get so mad about this. He said all he wanted to do was go home to his dad. Oh, jeez. Like, it, ugh. That hits me in the gut every time. Uh, he would get in trouble on purpose to go to solitary because it was the only time he said he could quiet his mind. Jeez. Yeah. Um, he also eventually got a prison job and had a little bit routine. Um, it, it helped a little bit. Yeah. In 1996, Jesse's attorney files an appeal for seven uh, Supreme Court justices to look at his confession. I wish you people could see my face right now. <laughs> so um, the seven justices agreed that this was the only evidence during trial. Um, <clears throat> and that while 
there was a confusing algorithm of time and events and contained numerous inconsistencies, they all agreed that it was sufficient for the verdict wow. to remain. That's amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. So one of the chief justices actually rewrote essentially Jason's confession yeah. or Jesse's confession, excuse me, to make it make sense. Yeah. But you can't do that because you're, you're an, an educated adult right. rewriting the confession of a third grader. So of course it's going to make perfect of, sense to of you. Of course, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he changed the times consistently, but they were like, maybe he got confused. Seven judges said, maybe, maybe just, you know, he got confused. Then they came out and said that they felt that, yes, the confession could have been coerced. However, it's still sufficient enough to let the verdict stand. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I just, I can't. I can't. They viewed his confession as voluntary despite his age, intelligence, and education, which was nothing. He had nothing. Um, <clears throat> so, oh, we already talked about that. One of the things also that the justices decided on was that eight is a witch's number. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, and somebody, one of the people on the stand said that um, it in witchcraft, you had to lose your virginity before the age of eight what? to get your powers. That's weird. It, it's all weird, babe. It's it's all weird. Yeah. Let's see. I'm sorry, guys. I laugh too much, and I don't have uh, my shit together. So, um, poor Damien is, like I said repeatedly and brutally raped and beaten so he is put in solitary he is uh he it was by inmates and guards by the way he um was in solitary for almost a decade wow so his um his eyesight went to shit that's why if you see pictures of him now he's he's wearing wearing sunglasses because he can't see far so that's fucked up um Damien and Jason's appeals also went to shit completely. They said the evidence was purely circumstantial, but it didn't really fucking matter uh, because Damien was into witchcraft and the occult and had a journal with pentagrams on it. Yeah. Um, The left side is seen as as being devilish, which if you were left-handed in the Catholic Church a long time ago, they said it was a sign of the devil. Yeah, I remember that. Um, So because Stevie's face was bitten on the left side and most of the injuries to the boys were on the left side. It had to have been satanic. Yes, had to have been. Um, In 1996, the filmmakers Bruce and Joe came out with Paradise Lost. So they vowed to continue to make documentaries until the three were freed. That's why there's more than one Paradise Lost. Oh. after the first one, people were like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, what the fuck? Um, what really kickstarted the movement of the Free West 3 was writer Burke Sells, graphic artist Kathy Backen, and photographer Grove Pashley. Um, these guys saw the documentary and couldn't, couldn't move on from it. Yeah. 
So they created westmemphis3.org where people could leave any information that they had. They could read information, just a, a blog of sorts. So That's cool. um, <clears throat> Kathy wanted to know more. So she wrote all of the attorneys only to find out that all of these appeals were denied and they were still in jail. Yeah. Um, so Burke said after watching the documentary, he felt like he missed the part where they were guilty. So these guys traveled to Arkansas. They went to the crime scene. They met the teenagers um, and Dan Stidham, who was still Jesse's attorney. Yeah. They he were convinced, obviously, that they were railroaded. Um, they said they knew they were innocent, but needed to see them see it for themselves to make sure that the documentary wasn't one sided. Right. Uh, it was Salem level hysteria, which, by the way, he Damien Eccles lived in Salem, um, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think on purpose. So <clears throat> they put everything onto this website. Um, now celebrities are getting involved. Yeah. This is where the celebrities come in. Um, they started selling merchandise, and these three people were reaching out to the celebrities to raise money yeah. to get these guys new testing and everything like that with everything that was new with DNA testing. Right. Um, Kathy took forensic classes to better understand what was going on. Um, <clears throat> she was constantly part of discussion forums and um, websites. So they did interviews with the three teenagers, put them on the website, um, Free the West Memphis Three. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So now Eddie Vedder, Johnny Depp, Natalie uh, Maines, I think her name from is. The Dixie from Chicks. Dixie Chicks. Yeah. yeah. So she flat out says that Terry did it. That the stepdad did it. He yeah. sues her. Yeah. He civilly sues her for slander. Mm -hmm. This fucking idiot doesn't realize that when you have to give a deposition, everything comes out. Mm -hmm. So it comes out that years prior, he had um, <clears throat> an elderly neighbor tell him that if basically he she sees him beating his kids again, she's going to call the police. Right. So he responded by breaking into her house and raping her. Wow. Yeah. Um, now Vicky Can't comes. Can you watch his deposition? Yes. Yeah. He laughs. He fucking laughs. Yeah, I think I watched it a long time he ago. He laughs. Yeah. So now Vicky at this point um, <clears throat> said that she lied. She made it all up. Mm. She said the cops said that if she didn't go along with what they were saying, they would take Aaron away from her. Jesus. So, yeah. <clears throat> she wanted the reward money, and they told her that by using Aaron's voice, she was going to get it. She obviously did not get it. The day of the S-Bot, the orgy mm -hmm. that she said she went to, she just broken up with her boyfriend and drank an entire bottle of wild turkey to herself. She blacked out. She knows she went somewhere with someone and saw people. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's it. She woke up the next morning with a second bottle, empty bottle of wild turkey next to her. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, she also came out and said that Aaron is, he has PTSD. Like, yeah. he, he cannot function. As, as an adult now. Yeah. Um, John Mark Byers and Melissa Byers, they were the dramatic ones. So people thought they were suspects from the beginning. They both have long records, including uh, drug arrests. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what that says. So they got married in 19... He got married in 1987, and then after that, he married Melissa. Um. He got reported for, quote, whipping Christopher, which he said he did also the day of the murders. Yeah. 
Uh, he was not questioned or asked to testify. Hmm. Neither was the neighbor who reported seeing him hmm. whipping Christopher that day. Hmm. Um, also, the neighbor that said she saw the, the kids with Terry Hobbs that day yeah. was never questioned. So, um, in June of 1992, Mark Byers was arrested for felony drug and weapons charge. And in 92 to 93, it was a Rolex scam. Got out of all of it because he's an informant. Uh, um, He got Melissa into drugs. She was a lifelong heroin addict. Um, She was arrested for holding a gun to a carpet installer's head when he refused to install the carpet until she cleaned her floors. Oh, well, yeah, that's reasonable. So they moved um, after all of this to Cherokee Village near Missouri. And in September of 1994, both were arrested for stealing $20,000 worth of antiques from residents. Two weeks later, Mark was arrested again for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. He forced two teenagers to knife fight. Jesus Christ. Um, it, by 1994, the two of them had 12 misdemeanors between the two of them, and two neighbors had restraining orders. On March 29, 1996, Melissa Byers was found naked and unconscious in their home at 5.20 p.m. and immediately pronounced dead at the hospital of... um, It was a possible homicide, but no trauma. Remember we talked about this? Um, They found injection marks to the top of both of her feet inside her right wrist and uh, towards the right thoracic area. Um, however, they're unsure as if those were drug injections or from the resuscitation. Uh, My guess would be feet was heroin. Yeah. Um, witnesses say that she was taking Dilaudid and Xanax and that her and uh, Mark were fighting because he had a girlfriend named mm. Mandy. Um, while the police searched his home after they pulled his dead wife out of it, he yeah. stood in the front yard with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, he said he was going to, he immediately offered up that he would, uh, he was afraid he was going to be accused of smothering her. Wow. Remember we talked about the petechiae? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so unknown cause of death, unknown manner of death is what's listed on her death certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, there were plenty of drugs in her system, but not enough of one of them to overdose on. Mm. So they did found scarring to her wrist. She had had a couple suicide attempts prior to. Um, Mark Byers was arrested in April of 1999 because when he was trying to do a drug deal, he dialed the wrong number and got an undercover cop. Oh, what a dick. Like, random. Yeah, state trooper. So uh, he ended up serving, he got an eight-year sentence, but only served 15 months of it. Um, Let's see. This was Melissa, yeah. She wanted to leave. He wouldn't let her, obviously. Um, <clears throat> he So they also say that there was marking on Christopher's buttocks consistent with a belt. So these markings um, left open wounds that would have made it extremely painful to walk and or ride a bike. Mm-hmm. But he rode a bike into the woods. Yeah. Um, Stevie Branch, over his left eyebrow on his forehead, had what appeared to be what looked like a human bite mark. So they took um, dental castings of Jason, Damien, and Jesse, and none of them fit. Uh, In 1997, Mark Byers had all his teeth removed after the first trial. You don't say. Yes, he said it was his seizure medication, Tegretol, which caused periodontal disease in addition to several other dental issues. So he had his teeth removed. 
Um, I did. I did look it up, and um, Tegretol can cause periodontal disease, but it's like all the way at the bottom. Yeah. So, um, wow, another interesting, interesting fact: uh, in the mid 1990s, Terry Hobbs also had his teeth removed. Really? Mm-hmm. Um. It doesn't. I can't find anywhere why he did. Yeah. But at the time of the murders, he had a partial, like my partial. Yeah. You know. Um. Pam Hobbs was um, divorcing him. Mm-hmm. She thought at this point she comes out now and says that she thinks he did it. No shit. So at this point, it has come out that hair found in the ligatures on the boys mm-hmm. was um, it matched Terry Hobbs. Oh, it also God. matched his friend. They found a hair that matched his friend, David Jacoby. His quote-unquote friend. friend. So two teenagers actually came out separately at separate times and wrote affidavits saying that they went to go buy drugs with Terry and David, and they drove to the woods. They Terry told the teenagers to get out of the truck and wrestle, and then Terry and Jacoby were involved in some sexual activity when the boys rode up on their bikes. Wow. So that's that's the biggest theory. Nothing ever came of that, though. Nope. So while Pam Hobbs is moving out, she goes into um, the safe. Yeah. Finds the partial. No shit. Finds the partial. And Stevie Branch's Swiss Army knife that he always had on him. Never left home without it. So she took the partial, obviously, to the police. Yeah. So uh, Terry Hobbs was a dick. He beat the fuck out of uh, everybody. He ended up shooting Pam's brother. What? (laughs) He beat Pam and she called her family and they're good old boys. So they came out and they're like, we're going to fuck you up. Yeah. He shot her brother. Wow. Shot her brother right in the stomach. Um, So then he ends up getting sued, you know, by or he sues Natalie Maines. Yeah. He loses, Mm -hmm. obviously. And all of his previous arrests come up. Yeah. So he's he's fucked. Um, David Jacoby ended up signing an affidavit that uh, he was not in the woods at the same time as Terry, like Terry said he was, but he did drive around searching for him for a bit. Um, <clears throat> at one point, Terry states that he walked along the creek bed where the boys were found. In another statement, he said he didn't go within 100 feet of where they were found. Um. After the trials, allegations of sexual abuse to his daughter came out. Jesus. Um, she is also fucked for life. Yeah. She, 100%, you can tell she's a victim yeah. of sexual assault. She's, she's fucked for life. Um, so like I said earlier, a neighbor said that she saw Terry yelling at the three kids by the woods right around the time that um, yeah. everybody lost sight of him. Right. She was never questioned. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Great police work. It it was it is said that it was the known secret that Terry was bisexual. Mm-hmm. Obviously, didn't tell anybody. Um, the boys pulled up. He ended up killing them because they walked up, and he didn't want them to tell anybody that he was fucking gay. So um, <clears throat> it comes out too in the depositions that. Stevie had told multiple family members that Terry had locked him in a closet and beat him, um, that he forced Stevie and his sister Amanda to watch porn and then would masturbate in front of him, but threatened to kill all the members of the family if they told anyone. Um, 
Amanda said that she's repressed a lot of the memories, obviously. Yeah. So, it's it's disgusting. It's very sad. Um. He the whole thing with the neighbor. So, John Mark Byers ends up changing his mind. And he ends up saying, I don't think it's the three boys. I think it's Terry Hobbs. And during um, a court hearing, he was standing there waiting. And when Terry walked past, he yelled, there goes the baby killer. Yeah. Um, In November of 2010, Arkansas State Supreme Court ordered a new trial because of evidence, um, but was then told they could not show the evidence. So, yeah, I don't know that. So... Damien's attorney, a new one, uh, Steve Braga, suggested an Alford plea, which means you are not admitting guilt, but you are admitting that they have enough evidence to find you guilty. guilty. You're claiming your innocence, but it goes down as a guilty plea in the books, which sucks because there's not evidence to show that these guys are guilty. Um, The thing is, they all had to do it. It was all or nothing. Yeah. So Jason didn't want to. Yeah. So I'm not fucking guilty. Why am I signing this? Yeah. But he was concerned for Damien and Damien's health. And he yeah. needed to get Damien out of jail. Yeah. So he signed the Alfred plea. So on August 19th of 2011, all three of them entered the plea. Um, <clears throat> they walked out of jail after 18 years. Oh my God. Yeah. I just got chills. Um, Damien ended up marrying a woman who wrote to him mm-hmm. um and she's she became a huge advocate to try and get yeah. them out they're still married um jason also got married to a woman named holly while he was in prison and he actually has plans on going to law school that's awesome uh damien became a buddhist and his wife's name is Lori davis he now lives in new york he's written three books on spiritual magic um and for a long time, he would sleep on the ba- the bathroom floor because he wasn't used to having space. Yeah. So he was uncomfortable. Um, there's nothing about Jesse. Wow. Nothing. Nobody knows where he is. Really? What he's doing, nothing. Man. Um, and I believe it was earlier this year, uh, John Mark Byers actually died in a car accident at really? 56 years old. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, with the Alford plea, they can't sue the state mm. for damages for incarceration. Yeah. And they've exhausted all their appeals. Dude, so, unless something specific comes out that they can charge somebody else, yeah, that's th- it. they're stuck with that plea. What a fucking shame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. And nothing on Terry where he's at? Nothing. Nope. Wow. He fucking did it. I don't I, care who you are. He fucking did it. Yeah, that's, the guy's a shitbag. You watch this fucking deposition from Natalie Maines, and he, he laughs. He's laughing when he's talking about the murders. He's yeah. laughing. Is that funny? Yeah, that's who I... My opinion. So, I, I, I wish I wish they knew where Jesse was. Yeah, that's, kinda, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, he got... After um, getting out of prison, he got caught... Um, for driving without a license. Oh, God. Who cares? Yeah. So. But, yeah. Sorry I had to wing it for the last half hour. No, you did a good job. I, I Yeah. I don't know. Did I a feel good job. 
I feel like I could have done better. Could have been a part four. Where it a hundred percent could have been a part <laughs> but four. But I'm, I'm glad we're. I got to get it out of my brain. Yeah, yeah, we're wrapping it up. I I feel this has been consuming you for yes three weeks now. It it breaks my heart that these these men now they're men had to go through what they went through and Jesse makes me want to cry. Yeah. Because I I mean he can't be okay. No. He can't comprehend what happened to him. He can't be okay. So. It's very. It's all very. Sad I'm still curious. I don't want to say his name, but who you talked to, who lived in the I, area, yes, who believes they are guilty, yes. I I would still like his. I'm gonna opinion. I'm gonna text him. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm why gonna text he, him and I'm gonna ask him to listen to this. Yeah. So a uh, uh, a friend texted me after we posted on Facebook that we were doing the West Memphis Three. And I don't know if he listens. I don't I, know. I don't know either. But and he is a police officer. He is. I mean, I'll he say is. that. And he texted me and said that he grew up down the street from two of the boys. So I'm assuming it was Michael and Christopher because they lived across the street from each other. Yeah. And he could not believe that they let the three guys out of jail who killed them. Yeah. I'm curious why I, yes. he's got that opinion. Yes. If he's ever watched any of the documentaries. If, that's or, the, if he's looked into it or it's just like, listen, this was a fucking hometown thing. Like, Because yeah. he, he lived there when they were murdered. He right. was the same age. Right. So I, I wonder if it's just because there's a possibility he's with friends. he was friends with them and he doesn't want to hear anything but this is what happened. Right. Which is is possible. That's how some people are. Like they they don't want to hear anything else. Yeah, yeah. But you definitely got to talk to him. I do. I'm, I'm very curious. I do want to pick his brain about it. Yeah. I knew he was from down south too, because he calls me ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. But yeah, you got to get on that because I'm. I'm, curious. I'm. I'm. Yeah. He always called me ma'am, and Mrs. Kishersky never called me by my name. Yeah. He's southern. You can tell he's southern. Well, this was good. I'm I'm glad we're done with it, though. Yeah, like I'm said, sorry I had to wing it the last half hour, guys. I wish it would have been better. No, you still had all the information. Yeah. You just, you had some, like, Because I was going off my notes. Yeah, you had some pauses that were a little longer than I would have liked, but. Yeah. Damn you. Well, <laughs> maybe if I wouldn't get interrupted while I'm researching. Babe, I try not to fucking. No, you don't. Stop. You fucking do not. Stop. You wait until I get one foot on the couch to sit down and you're like, oh, before you sit down as my ass hits the couch. Sorry, I want to snuggle with my wife. <laughs> uh, it's because you need your pee bottle. <laughs> it's not because you want to snuggle. <laughs> or I need a drink of whiskey. Right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I hope you enjoyed this, guys. I know this was a little bit longer, but... That's a lot of information and curious what you guys think. Yeah. You know, if you've seen the documentaries, read any of the books, and I haven't now seen to this. any of the documentaries. I didn't they're watch good. any of them. They're I didn't good. have time to watch them. Yeah. They're really I read good. the book. Yeah. So, which, like I said before, it's a very unbiased book. Yeah. It's very factual and. Which I would, the information I would want you to get. Right. I, you know, right. Even though we have our. Our opinions, I mean, I still would like to be down the middle. I, I need to know neutral facts. That's yeah. the only way I can form my opinion. Exactly. So. But uh, the next episode will probably be a Patreon. Yeah. We we got to give them one. Yeah. So. Um, and rumor has it, uh, the Patreons want to hear Jody Arias. 
Yes. So, but I don't know if that's going to be the next one. Okay. She's fucking nuts, too. Yeah, that, and that <laughs> might take a little bit, but we do got to do that one yeah. soon. But, the, yeah, the next episode is definitely going to be a Patreon exclusive. And we have so. requests from them, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll so. start tonight. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed this, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.